0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Frankly, the energy podcast for founders. I'm your host, Siobhan Clark, where I'll be dealing it straight to you from entrepreneurs who have scaled and failed, investors who are passionate and seen it all, and leading tech voices that are looking to build moonshots to change the way we live. Hi, everybody. This is Steve Cook at BP Launchpad, and welcome to another edition of our Frankly podcast. Today, really delighted to be joined by Darren Edgar, who's the CEO of Light, one of our portfolio companies.
1: Yeah, thanks. It's uh, nice to be part of this podcast. There's a lot of great content that have come out of the prior series. I joined Light and and the Launchpad group about a year ago, and it it was a good connection because it kind of came out of my career where I've been growing businesses and scaling them globally with uh, large corporate companies like PwC, Avanade, Accenture for quite a few years, as well as I'd had my own startups. So joining Light was really a way to kind of bring together my background as well as experiences in industries like the energy industry, um, utilities, and a few other segments, and kind of bring it all into one place with with a group of people that that had a platform to grow from.
0: Brilliant! Thanks for the for the intro, and as you say, some some really relevant and. And valuable experience in your in your career that uh, that has now come into light. And on the topic of light, tell us a little bit what light does.
1: What light helps companies do is to get insights that they can make decisions with from these massive, massive quantities of data coming off of sensors that they have on their facilities and operating platforms. And then our software applies physics and knowledge to that data to help. companies understand what decision to make so in 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 real human terms it's we tell them whether or not their products are flowing fast or slow and where they're going or we tell them if their vessels are leaking from where how fast and with what or if your products have been contaminated what have they been contaminated with how much and where so there's a there's a lot of data plays and a lot of analytics plays in the market but we kind of operate in that space of insight to give context so that clients can make decisions. So it's, um, you know, after I started at Light, it it took a while for me to get a handle on exactly where they played and why that was different than other companies that play in the AI and and data analytics space. And it, it really comes down to that context. Our software produces the context from data so that you can do things with it and move forward with it.
0: Perfect. So all the way from real-time sensors to insights, effective.
1: Yeah. And and a lot of times people think of sensors as being only real-time. Like, you know, there's, you you walk into the gap and there's sensors on the doors. That's real-time. They know that the door opened and closed and that you went through it. But there's a world of sensor data out there that is old data that can be used for different things, real-time, and then also predictive data. And all of that can actually be run through um, models like we have to, to determine what's, what's really going on with your operations. So when I first started learning about you know what sensor data does and what was in it and what it could do, I thought of it only in real terms, but there's all sorts of timeframes that, that you, you might have data for. And, and companies like BP, Com- the biggest companies in the world have masses of this type of data and they they need help to figure out what to do with it and, and how it actually contributes to what they're doing.
0: That's a great point um, about the different types of say, sensors and, and data that comes from them. And I think it's also fair to say that one of the big advantages that a company like uh, BP can can bring to some of these ideas is the is the engineering and physical knowledge of what's going on in the real world that can enable you to build some of the physics-based models that that allow the insights to be generated in a very distinctive way?
1: It 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 is. It's um, you know, for example, there's sensors around perimeters to to take a look at, you know, who's coming in, who's coming out, what's happening around the edges of a facility. And it's not so much that whoever's inside that facility wants to know what's there or what isn't there, it's a size and scale question. They want to know if it's if the sound that they're hearing is a squirrel or, you know, a bulldozer digging a hole, because that's meaningful in terms of what decision they might make next. And you might say, well, shouldn't they just go open a window and take a look? Well, with, you know, really, really large facilities that are in remote locations, it's it's not as easy as that. And so. Um, the context of the decisions that organizations are trying to make is is really important because it's not just as simple as on off or um, in out. It's much larger in terms of the impact that sensor data can have.
0: So Darren Light was spun out of BP and therefore is a little bit unusual Mm -hmm. in the Launchpad portfolio. And as you say, you came in as a CEO about a year ago uh, into that space. And so I'm kind of curious um, as to what you found were the challenges and advantages that came with that spin-out situation when you first came into the role.
1: Yeah, it, um, when you start any new role, you sort of think you understand what you're getting into, and then you always invariably bump up against, oh, wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, but there was some pleasant surprises along the way as well. And as I started getting into our products and how we built them, one of the things that was an advantage was realizing that BP has every possible industrial situation or problem in the world inside its own walls. People think they're only an oil company, but they're also a manufacturer, they're an engineering firm, they're a retailer, Um, you know, they're a grocery store as well, so they have to deal with some of those issues around products. Um, And they're a law firm in some parts of the world where they have their own counsel, and people think of BP as something that is very different than what they actually are. They're fully combined bundle of the world's business problems all in one place, or the world's industries (laughs) all in one place. And that sounds, um, I I mean it in a positive way, because if you're a company that builds software, and they're your first marquee customer, what it means is you should be able to find a way to build product around any of those situations, because you've got a a built-in partner for that. And so I was pleasantly surprised that there had been Quite a lot of connection with a few different parts of the business, and that there was a lot still on the table as well, and that that's the big advantage is you know a lot of software startups don't don't have that kind of connection. It's also tied into their strategy in terms of um, the BP reinvent strategy. Sounds you know just like an energy industry strategy, but it really isn't. It's it's a transformation strategy, and because BP has that imperative, that is the door opener for for things that we can be talking to various areas about. So that's the great part. The the dark side of that is (laughs) BP is every business problem in the entire world. (laughs) And and trying to get your arms around it is a challenge. We're a startup where we've only got so many employees, and it's a little bit of a David and Goliath situation trying to find a way to leverage that. and and take the best parts away from it is, is a challenge. Trying to size what you're doing with the size of their problems is practically how it works. You know, yes, BP has every business problem but they have the largest version of that problem everywhere you look. So trying to find, you know, MVPs inside of those business situations is a challenge. And then trying to get progress through creating, you know, a first prototype or what have you is a challenge. So it it kind of all boiled down to how do you create a, a pace of movement when you're working together that yeah. serves them, they're the customer, serves serves what they're trying to do, but also serves what we're trying to do in terms of building solutions that we can then go on to sell to other people also.
0: Absolutely that makes a lot of sense. And any anything, any nuggets of wisdom so far in how to how to deal with that particular challenge what what have you found that that started to work
1: well i think just understanding that your colleagues in bp are in the same boat if if someone outside bp feels overwhelmed someone inside bp can also feel overwhelmed about (laughs) what they have to deal with every day and the scope and the size of everything so stick to the m in mvp and the m is min not max and <laughs> stick, yes. stick to that as closely as you can. And probably you have to be a little more uh, assertive with sticking to that than you might have to be if you're in a in a, a maybe a mid market business or a, another small business.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's a very relevant observation. Um, and just to build on on what we've just been talking about a little bit, uh, certainly when you and I have talked and as we've been involved in the in the light journey. I think one of the things that you've been working on really hard and, and made a, a massive impact with is the is the transformation of light from a from the mentality of being born out of the of the oil and gas world and and therefore the the potentially the mentality of, of developing a company that was kind of a service company by mentality and transforming that into what it needs to be to be successful, which is much more about being a and as a soft, uh, as a service software company, and I'm just curious as to you know how that how that journey has been uh, from your perspective, what you've had to do to enable some of that mindset shift as well as the sort of content shift in the product.
1: It kind of started from um, really just saying it in my outside voice. And putting that stake in the ground out loud, saying we're going to be a software company. And sometimes I think when you're trying to lead a company towards being something different, you can you can err on the side of spending a lot of time wondering why you're different, or how did we get here, or um, is it possible for us to go where we're going? And because we didn't have that much time in terms of you know our goals and the objectives. When I started, I just sort of put the stake in the ground and said, we're going to be a software company. It doesn't matter where we've been. It doesn't matter how long we were there. It doesn't matter what the reasons were. We're now going to be here. And so it kind of created the imperative to just start operating in the new situation. Um, And that encouraged everybody else then to socialize it and use their outside voice. Say it out loud in a sentence. Say it out loud with a customer, you know, a a bit like Sesame Street, use this word in a sentence. (laughs) And it it might (laughs) be true. (laughs) And that trickled its way then into customer conversations. If you tell your customer we're a software company, chances are pretty good they'll want to buy software from you. And so I think just you know, simple things like saying it out loud. We did do the traditional mission vision values exercise in the first quarter of 2021, but I would say that wasn't the thing that made it real. The thing that made it real was making it real, saying it out loud and just saying that that's where we were and not really, you know, living in the angst of whether or not we were.
0: I think there's a lot to be said for that clarity of just stating the the ambition and the the reality that you want to have because i think just to to make it clear for people listening light has always been a digital company but i think a lot of the transformation is being being about the approach and the uh, the way it describes itself particularly to customers and that then has a knock-on effect on the on the product so is that fair
1: It is. And one of my learnings when I, well, the whole year has been a lot of learnings, but one of the big ones over the the whole year is people often don't have it in their package of experiences, the things you're asking them to do. So if they don't see you do it very visually and very tangibly, they kind of don't know how to put that into how they speak and put that into how they operate if they can't have never seen it and, and you don't do it. So I, I try with the management team as well is just start saying it, just start doing it because then everyone else we work with will have a model. They will have a, a person to point at and say, well, that person's saying we're a software company. I can probably figure out how to say we're a software company. Um, yeah. You know, most, yeah. Most of us learn how to do things by mimicking others or you know, tr- learning a trade from others, just you know, learn how to do it by doing it.
0: Yes. And I think that's that's put quite a big weight on your shoulders in many ways, I would think, because you've come in with the experience of knowing, I think, what good looks like and therefore having to take a a whole organization uh, on that journey. Um, How did you how did you handle that?
1: I came in knowing what good looked like in other companies, but I have a consulting background where you're always shaping and sizing what your recommendations are for who the customer is. So I've got, you know, any number of two by two templates in my brain, but there's always a two by two cube <laughs> and shaping it into the right two by two cube for light that is digestible by the business digestible by the shareholder digestible by our customers is really the challenge so I've you know I've had some that landed I have had some that worked okay and then I've had a few that that didn't land so okay and so I just you know gave it a shot and then when it didn't quite work out just stopped doing it and kind of put it back on the shelf so that um, that sort of test frequently and evaluate what happened approach has actually been something that is now really part of our culture in almost everything we do is test what you're thinking, see what happens, and then amend what you're doing and carry on. And that approach is a a bit more like an approach you'd take if you were doing sort of software implementation or consulting, um, you know, as a professional in that space.
0: For sure. I think that that whole process of creating a really rapid and effective learning cycle and culture in an organization, I think is one of my one of my big lessons from across the Launchpad portfolio, actually. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's very relevant here, obviously, uh, when you're trying to do something to to change a, a culture or a mindset. Um, one of the other, I feel like one of the other big lessons that I've taken from the journey that Light's been on, and I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts, is that I think uh, before before you came into the role as we were thinking about the journey that light needed to go on, I sort of think that we had convinced ourselves that light was ready to go on a scaling journey when actually it was too early and it had not found product market fit. And one of the things that is both a, I would say, a huge advantage for light and also, but also in this regard, something of a curse is that um, light, have been very, very successful at generating huge value inside VP mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. its technology. And I think that had given us perhaps a sense, a false sense of um, just because we were generating a lot of value, we were therefore ready to scale up in the, in the market outside of VP. And I guess my observation would be that actually we didn't have a fully formed product. And I know that's mm-hmm. that's your your take on it. And so. Be interesting to hear your your perspective on that
1: there was a there was a lot of things that w- was happening when we when i first joined because there was the observation that light was a service company trying to get product market fit so there was the were they ready to scale but also scale with what was was the other question hovering around the edges there and so when i think about sort of what makes a business ready to scale i think of it in terms of a range rather than a point So what is the range of the business that might be ready to scale where you've observed some signals? And the signals tell you the thing that is ready to scale. So what what has someone paid you money for? If they've paid you money for it, then there's some possibility that it might be ready to scale. Um, What has somebody used without paying for it? If they've used it and they've got their own hands on keyboards, you know, people that they're paying salaries to using your software, it might be ready to scale. And so when I kind of went through a checklist of possible signals, I actually did find some things in light that were ready to scale, but it wasn't at the level that had been being measured before that. So yes. When I first joined, it was almost like there was this magical rainbow in the sky for the entire company to be ready to scale. <laughs> and I was like, well, I, I don't really feel like it works that way. So we broke it apart and said, what are the pieces or what are the products within the platform or the use cases within the platform that might be ready? And then took the bits that were ready and, and pushed them a little further. And the bits that weren't ready held them back. And now that's a little bit of the ethos that we have sort of hung on to for for business plans coming up, saying like, okay, what's our ability to get things ready to scale? And at what level do we observe that they're ready to scale and and think of it like a component or an item rather than an entire company being ready to scale?
0: Yeah, and uh, I think that's something that you've you've certainly taught, taught me and a lot of people in light is that process of breaking things down so it's not quite so monolithic, um, which I think has been really successful for, for Light and helped to, to find a point of focus in amongst the um, quite enormous range of possibilities that a platform or a potential platform business has.
1: Um, One of the side wonder... angles on that that becomes challenging. So, you know, that approach has worked. The, the darker side of that approach is... We're, we're trying to become a platform business where the value of, of the yes. whole is greater than the sum of the parts, meaning some of those parts, they don't stand alone. And so when you're looking for product market fit for a component that doesn't really stand on its own, you've got to apply a little judgment there and go like, okay, this, sure. part, this part doesn't, couldn't be sold by itself, but it's very helpful to sell those two other things over there. And so we still have to be thinking in terms of that higher level, but it does help pushing through a lot more product and, and kind of just building out the the food chain of of stuff you produce.
0: Perfect. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I want to pivot slightly into talking about talent uh, because, you know, you've just successfully hired Um, a really great cto for the business and i think it's no secret that uh, the the battle for talent particularly in tech uh is very hard work right now and um as it as it has been for some time and i think it will continue to be so i'm just curious as to what what the proposition you make to potential hires is like and and how do you go about differentiating yourself in the, in the market with respect to the sort of battle for talent it,
1: it was a it was really a journey with that particular role and it's um a journey that is now we're kind of taking away some of the good bits from that into what we do with other roles it was really important that that person really fit with the tech area of the business so we put a lot of effort into understanding who the person was and what motivated them what gets them out of bed in the morning how would they handle certain people situations we did also go do like the technical validation get together and interview and what have you we did all that but that wasn't going to be the tipping point And so we did many conversations where the candidates told us about who they really were and how they would handle group situations, people situations, talent development situations themselves. And that level of depth, I think, is the proposition for people when they're joining Light because not every company does that. A lot of companies, you know, they hire very quickly because there is a war on talent. At the other end of the spectrum, you find large tech platform companies that do 45 interviews and still don't know who they're hiring. (laughs) You know, there is a a balance in there. But I think the, the, the compelling proposition is really let your candidates know who your people are so that they can tell those people who they are. And if, if someone really wants to, you know, be in a company like Light, then it'll line up. And then the incentives yes. and the compensation will work. But if that sort of um, life experience doesn't line up, then the compensation and the incentives aren't really going to matter. That isn't really yeah. what's going to get them coming in the door every day.
0: Uh, great point. And um... I mean that's all about investing the time and and building the relationship, and as you say, understanding, understanding the uh, perspectives on both sides. So, um, well, I mean, I think it's, it's obviously been successful for you with uh, with that particular hire and with a number of others. So, uh, which is great to see. I wanted to finish off with just one question about about leadership and as a CEO and uh, and as a as a leader in other contexts uh, over over other roles in your career. Just curious as to if you've got a, a, a you know, one particular leadership lesson that you've learned um, that's been really important for you in your journey and, and who you pass on.
1: I've often had uh, other people describe my leadership style as being a bit like a camp counsellor. And funny enough, I was a camp counsellor at one point, so that probably where <laughs> I got it from. But one of the things that's really <laughs> important to me is... If you're asking other people to do something, you have to be willing to do it yourself. So you need to go first. So things like when I was you know, a team lead, um, you can't really ask everybody to work over the weekend if you're not willing to work over the weekend yourself. Um, you can't really ask somebody to behave or decide a certain way if they've never seen it before or it's never been part of their experience. So you have to go first and kind of yes. demonstrate what that looks like. Um, You sort of have to show what's possible by modeling it in in the way you operate yourself. The the older style of sort of command and control, expecting people to jump or sort of say how high when you say jump, that sort of idea, I, I don't think it really exists anymore. I don't know too many people that really respond to that. But there are a lot of people that still respond to, you know, a leader that is willing to do what the business needs to be done and they'll do it themselves and they'll get engaged with that. So that's the kind of thing that I try to yeah. you know, operate from myself is be willing to go first.
0: Wise words. Um... I guess the other thing that I've been following, as well as the journey of light, is your journey into your new house, and it, it's, um, it's involved a lot of flat pack furniture, as far as <laughs> I can as far as I can tell. So, is there anything, yeah. any 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 top flat pack tips you want to share with anybody who is uh, has recently been on a trip to IKEA?
1: Own many <laughs> measuring tapes. <laughs> Keep several at home. One in the bag you're taking with you to IKEA, and never let it leave your side. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Top tip. You heard it here first. (laughs) Yeah. So on that note, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you, Darren, as always. And uh, thank you so much for for spending a bit of time sharing your insights with us. And we'll look forward to uh, the continued uh, successful journey of light. So thank you, Darren.
1: Thanks, Steve, as well. Thanks for hosting today.